We are um, fast approaching wedding season. Wedding season. All right, so there's a picture of a wedding. Um, a couple years ago, three or four years ago, I, I show up at this wedding, I, and I've done probably about 100 or so in my life. I, I began to think that through. Um, the year before I left Michigan, I did 16 that particular summer. So, I mean, I've done a lot. I didn't always do that many. That was kind of the big uh, wedding summer for me, but I've done a lot of weddings, and so I show up at this wedding, and um, immediately you get this sense that there's a lot of angst, and uh, people are real nervous, and so uh, I have been at weddings where, like, the groom showed up late. That's really ner- nerve-wracking. I- I've been at weddings where the bride didn't show up until really late, like an hour late, and I get to stand up and say, I, I don't know. This particular wedding, I, I walk up, and, and you know you know it's kind of it's sort of off a little, and people are on the phone, and everybody's huddled, and, and just, just their body language is telling you somebody is in trouble, like he's not here, or she's not here, or something like that. And so I remember, I, it's kind of funny, it was, it was, it was kind of like this, it was uh, overlooking a lake, and... I walk up to the father of the bride, I know him real well, and, and I said, hey man, um, what's the deal? Uh, what's going on? <laughs> what's the problem? And he looked at me and he said, you're the problem. It's like, well, why am I the problem? He said, you're late. Now, think about this. The wedding starts at 2, I showed up at 1.58. I, I don't know how much lead time you need. Uh, I've done it before, I knew what I was doing, but evidently they were a little tense about this whole thing. And um, well, I'm here, it's still not two, so uh, anyway, we got through that wedding, it was great. But I, I, I did some research about weddings, because they're super stressful, and one thing you want in a wedding is unity. And so uh, my, my goal when we do the rehearsal and when we do the wedding is to promote unity. We're talking about unity today and that sort of thing, living in community, and it's better if it's united. And, and Emory University did some research Every dad of girls is going to want to take notes right now, okay? Every dad of girls, get out a pen right now, all right? You might not learn anything about the Bible today, but this is going to affect your life. So you're going to want to know this. Every dad that has a girl. I've got four. I have this tattooed on my left arm. So this is that how important this stuff is. Okay, so Emory University uh, researched 3,000 couples to find out what made for a long-lasting marriage. Now, everybody wants to know this. I mean, if you're a bride, you're going to want to know this. If you're a groom, you're going to want to know this. What are the things that lead to a long-lasting marriage? Interesting statistics. Now, couples who attend church only occasionally had a 10% greater chance of divorce, interestingly. However, couples who said they attend church regularly had a 46% less likely chance of divorce. And so you hear this uh, stat thrown out a lot that the divorce rate among Christians and non-Christians is the same. That is true. But this is different research. This is research that says, hey, if you attend church together, you're much less likely uh, to get a divorce. Now, this is the one every dad is going to want to make note of, this this next one. Couples who spend less than $1,000 on weddings are 53% less likely to get a divorce. This is the greatest stat you will ever hear if you're a dad of a girl. I mean, I'm going to tell my girls, look, I'd like to spend more. I'm doing this for you. That's, that's what, 
9.99, that's all you're getting. I, I'm sorry, I'd love to give you more, but I'm doing it for your sake. Couples who spend over 20000 on their wedding, 46% more likely to get divorced. I, I don't even know how to analyze that. It's really a super interesting statistic, but it's kind of, I, I like it. Uh, I, I don't have to analyze it, I like it. One more, one more. Um, couples who took a honeymoon were 41% less likely to get a divorce after. So, uh, if you're going to spend money, <laughs> evidently, you spend it on the honeymoon. Now, today we're talking about, and I think what the honeymoon does is it sort of sort of jumpstarts this idea of, hey, we're going to make compromise and get together, and, and we're going to do things that help us to, to learn to, to deal, <laughs> if you will, with one another. Harvard recently concluded a 72-year-long survey, study, 72 years. Uh, The head of the survey was a guy named George Valiant, Valiant, and he said, the only thing that really matters in life are your relationships to other people. According to research, Harvard research, the most important thing isn't how much you gain, how much you have, how much you spend. It's how you deal with people. There was another uh, sort of a, a... human uh, psychology scientist, uh, his name is Daniel Goleman, and he summarizes this research this way. He said, the most fundamental relationships of neurobiology is that we are wired to connect. It is within our brain functions that God created us in such a way that we need relationships. We, we need them. We, we strive for them. We, um, there's a show on television, I think it's the History Channel, called Alone. Does anybody ever watch that Alone show? The greatest show on TV. I mean, I love that show. Guess what the premise is? They put you out in, like, the wilderness alone. And so they got bears and stuff, you know, like, big deal. And uh, uh, you're supposed to have to come up with your own water and your own shelter. And it is... It is this sort of uh, exercise in psychology because they video themselves. You know, they're, they're kind of taking video of what they're doing. And inevitably, they'll come to the conclusion, uh, these people that are out there by themselves, lots of them will say, I didn't realize what it would be like to be alone. I feel so alone. And, and I'm thinking... That's the name of the show. I mean, you know, uh, how did you not realize you were going to feel alone? Well, they just feel alone. They don't know what to do with themselves because they're so alone. And they, they're trying to buy their own time, that kind of thing. But, but this, this science has proven that we are kind of hardwired to be in relationship. It's kind of what the way God wants us. Now, the problem is we live in a very, we live in a world especially uh, in a society where it's pretty divisive, especially right now. I mean, good grief, we had the inauguration, and now we have protests, and then it's like, oh, my word, (laughs) we are really, really broken as a country. As far as we talk at each other, not really to each other, and it's just not very unified. and, And so I want to show us a text today from the Psalms, Old Testament, Kind of a cool context. I'm going to explain it to you. There's going to be some language here you don't understand. That's okay. We're going to get to understanding it in just a second. But it's the 133rd Psalm. Behold how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. 
It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. I'll explain that in just a second. Uh, It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. I'll explain that in a second. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Now, there's just some um, very impactful imagery here, if you understand it. We're going to get to it in just a second. But the premise of this is God blesses unity in community. His, His blessing rains down, if you will, on people who are unified. And and instinctively, intuitively, we understand this. Because you you can ask any married couple, you can ask any parent, you can ask any employer, any teacher, any pastor, any coach, is it better when there's unity on your team or in your family or in your church? And and everybody that's in leadership will look at you like, that's maybe the dumbest question I've ever heard. Is it better when there's unity? We all know intuitively that it's better when we're unified. And great teams, even though they don't always, always have the greatest players, when they play as a unit with unity, they can beat teams with great players. We've seen it. We know it. Now, today this, this text that we saw showed us that God blesses us. We'll talk about the blessing, but we'll also talk about the how-to of the blessing. How do I get there? We'll, we'll talk about that at, at, sort of toward the end. Now, let me give you a bit of a background here. Many people believe the 133rd Psalm was written for the coronation of David as king over the unified northern and southern kingdoms. Let me give you a little Old Testament history. Um, Israel was unified at one time, then it broke apart. Sounds a lot like America, by the way. There was a kind of a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. And uh, the northern kingdom was called Israel, the southern kingdom was called Judah. And in uh, 2 Chronicles, David becomes the king of of the southern kingdom. Well, eventually he becomes the king of the unified nation. They came back together. And it's a moment of celebration. And David isn't just going to be the king of the southern kingdom. Now he's going to be king of all Israel. It's a big deal. And so they write this poem, the 133rd Psalm, to sort of talk about that. But, but it's more than that. David has sons. When kings, are, uh, when kings are crowned, when they come to the throne, they're, they're always looking ahead to who is going to be their successor. Typically, it was one of their sons. And so, many people believe that the 133rd Psalm isn't just about, hey, we're unified as a nation, but hey, David's sons, you guys should really kind of be unified as well. Now, if that were the message, they didn't get it. Because David's sons were whack. I mean, insanely whack. Now, understand something. When you're the son of a king, sibling rivalry takes on a whole different dimension. You you don't just best your brother just for bragging rights. If you best your brother, you get to be king. And from what I understand, it's good to be king. And so they fight and things. Now, David's sons, let me give you a couple of examples. He had a son named Absalom. Evidently, he was a great leader. Absalom um, didn't like his brother Amnon, so he killed him. He's got another son named Adonijah. And Adonijah tries to keep uh, David's son Solomon from getting into uh, the temple, from being king. There's this um, amazing story of sibling rivalry. The 133rd Psalm was intended to maybe... Thwart that, if so, 
It didn't work. But the message of the psalm is this. Blessing and unity go together. It's almost, I don't know if God can't bless disunity or he chooses not to. But when there is unity, there's blessing. It's just, it's like a formula. In scripture it talks about if you're unified, there will be blessing. Think about it even from a personal level. I need to be unified in my purpose as a person. What, what am I going to be about? I, I was listening to a book the other day. I like to listen to books because reading is really horrible. And, uh, uh, but I, but I want to be informed, so I get books on audio, which is whoever created that, really, that's, that's brilliant. I like that. So I was listening to a book, and, and uh, they were quoting Tony Dungy, who used to be the, co- the coach of the Colts, I think. And um, great Christian man. And he talked about um, a dream without a plan is a wish. A dream without a plan is a wish. It's just a wish. If you don't have a plan. And so, personally, I have to be unified in purpose. I've got to have a plan. Let's say my plan is to lose weight. How many people just naturally lose weight? Nobody just loses weight. I mean, unless you're sick, that just doesn't happen. You have to have a plan. Now, the plan could be, I'm going to take that magic pill they sell on TV at 1230 at night. Because they say I can take this pill and never have to exercise or eat well. I, I, lo- I love that pill. It doesn't work, but man, you know, uh, uh, at least I think I'm doing something toward my health. So the plan typically when I'm going to focus on losing weight is I need to exercise more. I need to eat less calories. It isn't really all that complex. But i got to have a plan. Now how many of us have gotten a plan? We, we, I'd like to lose weight, but it is so hard, isn't it? Because those commercials, you know, like every commercial is about food. And, and they make it look, I don't know, really appealing, don't they? And so you're doing good. It, it's 8 o'clock in the morning. You're doing great on your diet for the day. And then at 8.01, a commercial comes on for Dunkin' Donuts. You're, it, you blow it. I mean, really. You go to Dunkin' Donuts. You know, you get the munchkins because... You think that's not as much, right? But you buy seven dozen, and, and really it doesn't help you. So you've got a plan, but you've got to stick to the plan. Unif- unity even of purpose as a person is incredibly important. That's important in, in groups and that sort of thing as well. You have to understand that. But if you're not unified, things fall apart. I, I read a little story by a, a, a lady named Gail Urban. She had gone to like Family Christian Store or one of the Christian bookstores, and she was shopping the for sale table, which is the best table, you know. This one was like, there was a, a figurine, like a 10th anniversary figurine. And she, it was 75% off, which is really good. And, uh, and she was looking at it, and she couldn't see that there was any problem with it. But it said, um, reduced, 75% off. And she's thinking, well, this is a pretty good deal. But she turned it over, and on the bottom, it had an explanation of what was wrong. It, it said, wife is coming unglued. Which is really funny, uh, if you think about it. Because um, it, it is easy when we're not unified to come unglued. And so that's kind of what we're talking about today. Now, I told you I would explain the, the whole oil and the dew stuff. Let's talk about the oil. Uh, it is like precious oil poured on the, the head, running down on the beard. It sounds a little creepy to us because we don't pour oil on people's heads and let it run down on their beards. But the imagery is this. Old Testament, Moses, one of the greatest leaders of all time. Moses has a brother. His name is Aaron. 
or you could call him Aaron, depending on if you know that thing. All right, so uh, there's uh, Moses, and he has a brother named Aaron. And Aaron becomes the religious leader of the whole country. He kind of becomes the Pope of Israel, if you will. And there's an inauguration, there is a coronation of him uh, becoming the, the, the chief leader of the religion uh, in Israel. And there's this ceremony, and in this ceremony, they anoint his head with oil. And it was, it was this ritual, and it was symbolic, and, and it was like this commissioning. You are now going to lead us. And, and th- this oil is representative of God's blessing on you to lead us. And, and we have language around this in the New Testament. Look at this. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That sounds like unity, doesn't it? No longer counting people's sin against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation so that we are Christ's ambassadors. Well, Aaron was to be the ambassador of, of the religion of the Jews. Same kind of thing. We are to be unified around a purpose as Christians. That's what it talks about here. And Jesus has this saying, blessed are the peacemakers. It's in something called the Beatitudes. It's uh, this great sermon, Sermon on the Mount that he gave one time. And, And God wants us who are his followers, Jesus wants us who are his followers to be makers of peace. Now, there were some translators who were trying to translate this into a different language, and they couldn't quite find a right word for peacemakers. And they struggled to find a word for peace. And eventually they came up with sort of a a word image that would relate to the people that they were trying to communicate with. And and they said, peace is a heart that sits down. When when I'm not in confrontation, when I'm settled, uh, blessed are those who cause people to be settled, uh, are, who are peacemakers, not provocateurs, not somebody who is always trying to stir it up. Uh, I had a friend I was thinking about him the other day, Dennis Wheeler, and, and Dennis and I, uh, we, uh, we attended college together, and, and another friend of mine, Mike Wilson, and, and Dennis was always picking, man, he was always picking, and he would, he would uh, <laughs> make fun of, just, he was just kind of a punk, and, and you liked being around him as long as he wasn't picking on you. But when he picked on you, you didn't like him too much. But when he was picking on Mike, it was awesome. But uh, Dennis, he, he wasn't a peacemaker. We, God is saying, hey, you need to be a promoter of unity, a peacemaker. So how do you do it? I mean, let, let's talk about the how-to. I mean, this is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be ambassadors of peace. How do we do it? Well, I'm glad you asked. Number one is an embrace diversity. Now, diversity kind of has a weird... Um, it's defined differently today, especially in our culture. So just listen before you turn me off, okay? This oil that was poured on Aaron's head, it just wasn't olive oil. There was, it was expensive. There was a, it was mixed with other spices, and I have a list of them. There was myrrh, there was cinnamon, there was cassia, there was calamus. And, and, and all this was combined with olive oil and poured on the head of Aaron. Now... Anytime you see olive oil like this in Scripture, it it is symbolic, a lot of times in the Old Testament, of the Spirit of God. And so God's Spirit took different spices and created this anointing oil. And God takes people from different cultures 
and different backgrounds and different places in life and different experiences. And through the Holy Spirit, he creates a unified force. We as the church are to be a unified and unifying force in our, in our world. Um, when, when we come together in Christ, God's Spirit has this ability to blend us. Now, you, you can look at it like this. Um, those were different spices that God used to, to make something that he could use. And God will take us when we, when we understand each person is important. Each person's opinion is important. Each person is a creation of God. Their, their soul is valuable to Jesus. It was so valuable to Jesus that every person, even people we want to dismiss, we can't really dismiss because their soul was important enough for Jesus to die for them. Every person is important. And even if I don't agree with you, your opinion and your soul is valuable. It's important to God. And sometimes you have to just bite your tongue. The Bible talks about this a lot. A gentle answer turns away wrath. Harsh words stir up anger. I mean, I... I can't hardly get on uh, Facebook or Twitter without just thinking, oh my word, don't say that. Why are you saying that? My daddy taught me something a long time ago that really is important. You don't have to say everything you think. It's really a good place to be. Just because you think it doesn't mean you have to say it. Socrates, or as we say in Kentucky, Socrates had something like this. Socrates said, before you speak, ask yourself, is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? I mean, seriously, if we ran everything we said through this filter, is it true? Okay. Is it kind? Okay. Is it necessary? I mean, that's a great filter to to run our thoughts through. James put it this way. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to be angry. Quick to listen. Is it true? Is it helpful? We have to ask ourselves these questions. So, number one, number one, we we have to understand people may not agree with us, may not be like us. Their soul is precious to God. That's the first thing. Number two, we bless by association. Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians. Now, God uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Okay. Let me go back to the imagery of the oil. The oil gets on Aaron's head, it goes down on his beard, but remember it didn't stay just in his, on his hair and in his beard. I was going to grow a beard to kind of show you this, but it would have taken three years. So uh, I didn't. But it goes on the beard, and then it got on his collar. Now the first thing I thought of, I don't know, maybe I'm, I don't know. First thing I thought of was, they didn't have dry cleaners. What did they do? Anyway, okay, so it gets on his collar, and evidently it saturates his robe. They weren't cheap. They weren't stingy with the oil. They poured it on, and I mean they poured it on. And, and now this, this oil, it's not just oil, but it has an aroma to it. Everywhere he went, every body he touched was affected by the aroma of his robe. It, it's... It looks a lot like this. He he blessed by association. People were better because he was around them. 
People felt blessed just being in his presence. They smelled that smell, this, this wonderful smell of this oil, and they thought to themselves, man, I'm in the presence of the man of God. And we have to ask ourselves, do people feel blessed when they're in our presence? Because it says here in Scripture, we're to be this aroma of the peace of God. That This is what we're supposed to be. And here's what I know. Blessing by association makes a ton of sense. When my wife and I are, are clicking on all cylinders, when we're unified as a team, my kids are blessed by that. When, when Miriam and I get uh, unsettled with one another, and it rarely happens, but it has happened. When it happens, my, it unsettles my kids. Especially when they lived with us, you know, all of them lived with us. They, they, you could really tell they, they got unsettled. When the girls didn't get along, You've got more than one child, they don't get along sometimes. Three girls, the older ones, whoo, uh, that, that, was, that, that was a train wreck. And, uh, and sometimes they didn't get along. And it, it unsettled me. <laughs> I'd go to my room because uh, 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 I didn't want to be around it, right? So there's a blessing by association. Think about it this way. Um, my, my family, when we're all getting along, we are a blessing to our neighborhood. Um, when I'm getting along with my girls, and, and they, they bring a, a boy home, I don't have to shoot at him, right? I mean, there's uh, so no stray bullets. Uh, so there's unity in the community when there's unity in my family. It's just kind of how it works. And w- when we're at work, and there's a unity of purpose, and we all get along, that's a great place to be because people take less time off. They don't want to you know, miss work. They want to get into work. They want to be there. There's a blessing. Unity provides a blessing. So this oil imagery, people would have gotten this because they would have understood, they would have read the Old Testament. They knew that Moses anointed Aaron and that people who were going to lead were anointed and the kings were anointed. They, they got this. But he also used another set of imagery. He talked about dew. So let, let's talk about dew for a second. It is as if, it is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. <laughs> and we all go, what? <laughs> Who's Herman? Uh, you know, it's kind of like Munster. Uh, yeah, it's kind of where you go, right? Okay. Um, Mount Herman was this huge mountain in the northern kingdom. It's kind of important to know this. And it was known for its dew. Now, in South Carolina, this really preached better in New Mexico because New Mexico is really arid and they don't get a lot of rain. I think they get 13 inches of rain a year. So when it rains, we have parties. I mean, it's a big deal for rain. But here, not so much. But let's just, for just a second, let's all of us be New Mexicans, okay? And we're in New Mexico, and it's arid, and there's rain. Except it's not rain often. But Mount Hermon was so tall that it would get a heavy dew nearly every day. And people knew this. And so when, when David is writing this psalm, and he's talking about the dew of Mount Hermon, people understood it. In fact, it's such an arid country that many, many times there are stories about travelers who were on Mount Hermon who drank the dew because there was no water available. And, and it, was, it was plentiful. And, and it, not only was it, there was so much that it would uh, cause rivers and, and creeks and, and it would run down the mountain. Now, this imagery is that Mount Hermon, it, it would be like uh, me saying um, it's... God's blessing is like the rain of September 2015. Isn't that when you all got your floods? 
And you would go, wow, it's a lot of blessing. Well, when he says, hey, it's like the, the dew on Mount Hermon, they would all go, oh, it's a lot of blessing. And then he says, it's, like, it's almost like it's so much that it goes from the northern kingdom, Mount Hermon, to the southern kingdom, which has Mount Zion. See, Zion didn't get the dew. They got the residue. That's good. That's good. I don't care who you are. That's really clever. Uh, they get the residue. It, it, it ran off the, the mountain in the north, and it came to the mountain in the south. And, and what he's saying is, look, when, when God blesses, it can be a blessing to everyone. It can be a blessing to everyone. Now, a couple things to, to understand. Unity takes work. <laughs> to be unified in a home, to be unified at work, to be unified in a church... It's just not always that easy. Sometimes you have to work at it. There is some effort involved. And and a couple of things to understand about this. Dew develops at night. There's sort of an imagery here. Like this is, during difficult times, that's when the dew develops, right? It's when dew develops. Now, one of my favorite verses. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. Weeping or dew... (laughs) happens at night, but joy comes in the morning. I mean, we get through difficult things, and on the other side of it, we find that there is joy available. Also about dew, it it forms at night. You don't see it till the morning, but also it develops when the conditions are right. You can have dew any season. It's not about the season. It's about the conditions. I was talking to Jeff outside a minute ago, and we were talking about uh, the weather and and if it got sunny, then the storms that are coming this afternoon could be more volatile. The, the conditions might be right. And there are conditions for peace. There are conditions for volatility. And so we kind of hope the cloud cover stays because that would be conditions for peace. It, it's a lot about what condition your heart is in. Am I going to be, do I choose to be a maker of peace? A promoter of unity? Will I bite my tongue and not say everything I'm thinking? Will I be the one who asks the question, is it helpful? Is it true? Is it necessary? Do I have to say it? Should I say it? See, because God wants us to be promoters of peace. Now, the do truths is, are, are these, these. Number one, we all need relationships. Everybody needs a relationship over and over and over in scripture i'm gonna give you three verses but it, it, there's tons so then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up hebrews 10 let us not give up meeting together as some in the habit of do it but let us encourage one another um ephesians do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up over and over the bible talks about being promoters of unity now People disappoint us. I mean, it's just, if you deal with people, you will be disappointed. Somewhere along the line, it's just going to happen. I heard about this married couple, and the wife wakes up, and she says, Honey, I had a dream last night. I dreamed that you gave me a diamond necklace. What do you think that means? And he grinned, and he said, You're going to find out tonight. And he goes to work, and he comes home with a little package, and he gives it to her. And she opens it up, and it was a book, How to Interpret Dreams. (laughs) And the funeral was Tuesday, and that's kind of how it works. 
people, we know we, need, we know we need relationships. We know it intuitively. We're becoming more of a, a less connected world. Um, the phones do, do a lot about that. My daughter, Amaris, is a really, really smart kid, and 23. And the other day we were talking on the phone, and she said, I have this idea for a restaurant. I said, okay, what is the idea? And she said, people come in and they sit at tables and they leave their phones at the door. And we have on the tables little question prompting cards. And people will sit at a table and they'll read these cards and they'll talk while they eat. And I thought, yeah, that's called 1980. Uh, You know, that's kind of, except for the cards and the phone. I mean, it's exactly what we used to do. But it was interesting to me that a 23-year-old understands that we don't talk to each other enough. I mean, it is what it is. And there's this idea that we're supposed to be communicating with one, with one another. And, and, and it's this beautiful thing. And, and God blesses it. Remember, God blesses unity. He, he's looking for it. But we have to learn to communicate with each other. Something else, another do truth is that we have to learn the value of who you are. We have to learn the value of you. Of you. Listen, that oil that they produced, extremely expensive. It wasn't like like sometimes you go to Dollar Tree and you buy aftershave for your dad and you try to convince him it's good. We all know because we smelled it. Uh, You know, we understand. Uh, You're you're, you're cheap. Uh, We get it. We get that. This isn't Dollar Tree oil. They didn't go down to, you know, a Dollar General and buy this oil. This was wildly expensive. And, and th- there's a picture here. People are extremely valuable. They're extremely, extremely, extremely valuable. And no matter how much it costs us to be in relationships, it is worth it. So, sometimes it costs my comfort. Look, I, I'm, I'm naturally an introvert. And people, I say that to people and they're like, no, you're not. Yes, I really am. After Sunday, I have to go be alone to, to recharge my batteries. I like you. I just don't like a lot of you. Uh, that's that's kind of, no, but, but as, as introverts, what we have to do, being with people, uh, it drains our batteries and we have to recharge by being alone. Now, some people who are extroverts, being with people charges them up. Being alone is the thing that drains their batteries. It's kind of, that's how it works. And, and I love it when I'm with people, but, but I like being alone too. It's kind of how it works. I, I get that. I, I understand that. But the cost for me personally is my comfort. I, I need to, to be with people. And sometimes that's not really comfortable for me. My oldest daughter, I just talked about her, she's an introvert. And the other day I asked her, you know, she, she joined a basketball league and she's out there and she's making friends because we have to, we have to do this. It, this is good, not, it's good for us spiritually, but it's also, this is the, a little bit of a cost for us to, to make relationships. You, you're worth it. You, you're worth it. Every relationship I've ever made was worth it. You're, you're worth it. We have to look at it like that. You're worth it. And what's interesting about this oil Let me go back to it just for one more time. That oil wasn't just for anointing priests. That oil was also the oil that you prepared a body when it had died. We have to die to ourselves. 
in order to, to be people who promote unity, who look for relationships. And that oil would get on the beard, the head, the beard, the collar, and then it would, it would run down the, the robe. And the robe at the bottom had a cuff, had cuffs. Remember when pants had cuffs? Well, they had cuffs. And the oil would settle in the cuff. And, and, and there's a point. The lower I go, the more blessings I'll find. And, 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 and Jesus talks about this. His disciples began to argue among themselves, and Jesus said, those who are greatest among you should take the lowest rank. Those who uh, want to be leaders need to be servants. And dew and oil have this common theme. They both start at the top and they run down. God is looking to anoint you. He's looking to rain upon you these blessings of unity. He's looking for it. And in fact, the last verse, for there the Lord bestows His blessings. When there's unity, there's blessing. He, God has got His eyes open. He's searching to and fro, the Bible says, for people who will be makers of peace. That doesn't mean you have to agree with what everybody else agrees with. It's not that at all. Maybe you just try to understand where they're coming from. But you, we who are followers of Christ, our, our mission, our commission is to be promoters of unity. So we should do that this week. Find an opportunity to promote unity and to build relationships. And one of the greatest ways is small groups. We have small group sign-ups out in the, in the hall, out in the kind of the foyer. You can take a right and they're there. And um, if you're not in a small group yet, you should be in one. It's great to make those relationships. And I know sometimes it's like it's a lot of work. It's going to cost me my time. Yep, it is. And it's worth it. Because relationships, there's nothing more important. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to look at your word. And, and maybe to grow and to learn and to understand a bit more about what you, what you expect of us. Help us to be people who live up to your expectation. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.